What's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. As always, I'm your host, AB. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at clutch underscore pod. This is episode 43 of the podcast. It's been a while. There have been a lot of things behind the scenes I haven't been able to record throughout this NBA season. But yeah, I am back for the playoffs. I'm back to make my postseason predictions for the first round. What a season it has been in the NBA of course, we're still living in these so-called unprecedented times, but we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, especially with the return of fans to basically all arenas in and around the league and capacity is being expanded in certain arenas for the playoffs. So that's a good thing to see. It's been a decent season. Obviously, COVID has hampered a lot of the season. We have heard a lot of health and safety protocols, players being out for like 10 to 14 days. You had a guy like Jason Tatum who hasn't fully recovered from um, when he had COVID. He's admitted that he's had to use an inhaler for the first time in his life, which is very alarming you had guys like Evan Fournier Dennis Schroeder just came out of health and safety protocols when he played in the playing tournament um, a lot of players have suffered from this and obviously we're still learning more about this I ain't no expert I'm just going based off what players are saying and based on how they say they are feeling so this episode I will be analyzing the first round matchups in the playoffs and giving my predictions for these first round matchups there's a lot of very intriguing matchups it's very difficult to predict some of these it's going to be a very very interesting postseason as i said we're not in the bubble anymore going to be in arenas um home court advantage is not the same as a fully packed arena but it's better than being in a bubble i'm sure the players will agree with that so yeah um there's some interesting matchups i'm going to start off out east so the number one seed philadelphia 76ers are going to play the number eight seed washington wizards the wizards after losing to the boston celtics in the seven eight playing game managed to beat the Indiana Pacers to claim the eighth seed and to claim a showdown with the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. With that being said, <laughs> I've got the 76ers sweeping the Wizards in four. I just feel like the um, 76ers have so much more firepower on both ends of the floor that the Wizards will not be able to deal with. I mean, you're talking about Joel Embiid, who is an MVP finalist, and Ben Simmons, who is a Defensive Player of the Year finalist. My preseason pick to win Defensive Player of the Year. The Sixers have played amazing basketball all season to secure the one seed. Guys like Danny Green and Steph Curry have come in. They've shot the ball well. Tobias Harris has had arguably the best season of his career, averaging just over 20 points per game and a career high in assists. So yeah, I just feel like they'll have way too much firepower for the Wizards. Obviously, you've got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill, that dynamic backcourt for the Wizards. But I just feel like defensively, the Sixers will have asked for them, especially when you've got guys like Matisse Thibault off the bench who should be in an all-defensive team this year, if you ask me. And that just shows how good he is defensively if a man's coming off the bench and I'm campaigning for him to get all, an all-defensive team nod. Obviously, Danny Green is no slash defensively, even though he's getting up there with age, but he can still play solid man defense. Ben Simmons, as I said, my defensive player of the year and a defensive player of the year finalist. And you've got an elite rim protector in Joel Embiid. So, yeah, I think the Sixers will just um, get out of this one, not too without too much worries. Also, the reason why I think the Sixers will sweep the Wizards as well, the big question mark around... The 76ers is Ben Simmons in the half court um, and his lack of offensive capabilities. But when you're matched up against someone like Russell Westbrook, who also struggles offensively, especially from beyond the arc, I feel like that can be negated very well as you can essentially help off both of those players. 
from beyond the arc anyway. So I feel like that matches up well for the 76ers and Ben Simmons as his flaws won't be exploited as much as other opponents that the Sixers may run into in the second round or even in the conference finals. Um, that's not to say that Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook can't win you a playoff game. I mean, we've seen what they've done. Bradley Bill, he just missed out on the scoring title this year. I mean, I've seen him light up the Sixers for 60 points earlier on in the season. And obviously, Russell Westbrook, you've seen what he's been doing all season. His fourth season, averaging a triple-double, like what this man is doing is just truly remarkable. His accolades, you just can't deny his greatness. But obviously, the main thing about him is his postseason success. And the fact that he hasn't won a championship. And I'm not going to be on this to criticise a man for saying he hasn't won a championship. This, this and that. I'm just stating the fact that um, he does tend to struggle in the postseason. But there's no doubt that Russ and Bill could potentially win the Wizards a game. But I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying I would not be surprised if that happened. Um, one thing I will say is big up Russell Westbrook for breaking Oscar Robertson's record of triple doubles. That is some record. I don't think it will take some beating to beat that. So, yeah, that's another reason why Russell Westbrook deserves his respect. Because night in, night out, you know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you that energy. He might not be the most efficient player or the most... Um, prolific scorer from beyond the arc but you know he's going to give you that toughness he's going to give you that determination and he's going to give you that um, willpower that can often win you a game back to the matchups like I said Joel Embiid MVP season from him 28.5 points 11 rebounds the Washington Wizards have nobody absolutely nobody who can stop him I mean they've had Thomas Bryant out for the whole season with a um, ACL injury so they've been running Alex Lynn they've been running guys like Daniel Gafford big up Daniel Gafford I saw the game he had um, in the playing game against the Pacers he had a double double with like five blocks so yeah big up him obviously he got traded from the Chicago Bulls to the Washington Wizards but yeah he's he's no match for Joel Embiid they're they're going to really really struggle up against him I mean, they just have no one that can stop him. So he's just, this is why I say the Sixers will sweep because he's just going to dominate as he's been doing in a regular season. Other questions are with Bradley Bill's health. Obviously, he had this hamstring issue coming into the playing game that I think that hampered him a lot in the first playing game against the Boston Celtics. He didn't really shoot the ball well. So we're going to have to see how healthy he is coming into this matchup against the 76ers with the first game on Sunday. That's the first playoff series in the East. I've got the Sixers winning in four. Uh, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to take on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics beating the Washington Wizards to clinch the seventh seed. Jason Tatum dropping a 50-burger on the Washington Wizards breaking all sorts of playing records. <laughs> but yeah, um, the Brooklyn Nets, man, this team, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. You, you already know what they're about, man. you got your KD, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Um, I've got the Nets winning this one in five. Um, the Boston Celtics, it's been a very, very, very poor season for them. Obviously, Jalen Brown being out with that thumb injury for the rest of the season that just sums up their season I mean they haven't really clicked all season it hasn't been happening for them they've had chemistry issues they've had guys out due to health and safety protocols they've had new players that they've tried to integrate into the team obviously they just acquired Evan Fournier at the trade deadline from the Magic so it just really hasn't worked out for them I mean they've been talking about this the whole year like it just hasn't been a great season for them at all so I just feel like they're going to bow out in the first round to the Nets in five games. The reason why I'm not saying it's going to be a sweep because on their day, I feel like they can get a game from the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets, we all know how they are defensively. They're not the greatest team defensively. 
and obviously come playoff time that's a big part of the game because that's the that's the other half of the floor like you can't just play offense you can't just score your way to a championship i don't think i feel like you have to pay attention to defense and that's just not their strong set at all and i also think that Campbell walker and jason tatum can win you a game i mean Campbell walker he's been hot and cold this season but off late in a playing game he dropped i think like 26 points so he played well against the wizards jason tatum can definitely win you a playing game i mean under the right circumstances i feel like the celtics will get a game obviously the brooklyn nets the main thing that's been discussed about them is the fact that their big three haven't played enough games together james harden was out with a hamstring issue kevin durant's been in and out of the lineup Kyrie irvin's been in and out of the lineup so they don't really have that familiarity playing with each other but a lot of people have said it doesn't really matter because when you've got three players of that caliber three all-world players three elite players three of the greatest players to dribble basketball in the nba it, it doesn't really matter the brooklyn nets wouldn't struggle too much against the celtics i doubt that the celtics troubles will just magically disappear in the playoffs and they're missing their, uh, their other all-star in jalen brown so yeah for this series though the matchups are going to be very very interesting jason tatum i would say he's an above average defender he's got that nice size now that growth spurt at like 6 10 now He's probably going to be on KD. He's going to have to play. He's going to be occupied defensively, to say the least. Tristan Thompson as well. He's going to have to... I don't even know. I don't know what they're going to do to try and stop Kevin Durant. You can't, you can't stop those guys. You just have to try and limit them. Marcus Smart, all defense type defender. So he's going to have to be locked in on James Harden or possibly Kyrie Irving. So yeah, matchup-wise, it's just it's not going to be easy at all for the Boston Celtics. So I've got the Nets winning this one in five. Moving on to the 3-6 matchup, the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat. This one, I feel like this is the most intriguing Eastern Conference first-round matchup that we have. I mean, it's a rematch of the second round in the bubble when the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks in five. So this is going to be a very, very intriguing match. I mean, the Miami Heat, the reigning Eastern Conference champions, just came back from the NBA Finals. This matchup is going to be very, very intriguing. I've got the Bucks winning it in seven. I just feel like the mentality the Milwaukee Bucks came into this season was that, okay, the last two years we've been the one seed and it hasn't gone well for us. We lost in the second round to a Miami Heat team in five, albeit Yanis did get injured, but he was exposed again in the playoffs. They had no answer for him once they built that wall. And the year before that, they lost to the Toronto Raptors. After going up 2-0 in the conference finals, they then lost four straight. So they've taken a step back. They brought in Drew Holiday. Um, Coach Bud has experimented with, with a few different things. Um, Drew Holiday's gotten the ball more. They've surrounded, they've brought in more shooters in Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis. Listen, I can't lie, I've got a big up Bobby Portis, man. He's a player that I like. Not the most glamorous guy, obviously in his days in new york and chicago he was known as a guy to get like flagrants and just be a dirty player but in milwaukee when he's got these championship aspirations when he's surrounded by players and guys who want to go out there and win a championship he seemed to knuckle down and i think he led the league in three-point shooting if i'm not incorrect he's he's came in he's played well so yeah big up bobby port is they brought in Bryn forbes as well he can shoot i know he struggled a bit but he's a shooter um drew holiday has played well for them so yeah they've kind of changed their approach obviously they didn't go all out in this regular season as they've done previously in the last two years so i just feel like they've reached a point where they know what they have to do to not just silence the critics but to get over the hump and make the nba finals they've re-upped Giannis, who signed in that extension so not to say that the pressure is off them 
but they know they have him for the next couple of years and they've essentially locked in their big three in Drew Holiday <coughs> Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Okay, obviously Yanis has made improvements to his game as well. I've seen him knocking down mid-range jumpers in a regular season. Whether or not that will be integrated into the playoffs, it will be yet to see. He's also been shooting it as well from beyond the arc. I remember the game against the Nets, he knocked down like four threes. Um, in the playoffs, it's going to be interesting to see whether they'll continue to help off of Yanis and leave him open to knock down a couple shots and see whether he knocks two or three before they do begin to guard him. But yeah, the Miami Heat, obviously, you know the Miami Heat underdogs. A lot of people have said their run to the finals was fluky and it was just the fact that the bubble was the perfect circumstances for them to succeed when you've got guys like Jimmy Butler and Bama Dabayo known as hard-nosed type of guys. So they'll be out there with a point to prove. And that's one thing, you do not want to go up against a Miami Heat team who feel like they have a point to prove because that, that team is scary, man. That team is scary. They haven't had the best season, but we know what they can do. Um, Jimmy Butler said he's locked in on social media. He's looking like he's locked in. Um, obviously, Bam Adebayo, he might have a chip on his shoulder since he was snubbed from Defensive Player of the Year. Um, love, he didn't make it as a finalist. So, yeah, this is going to be it's gonna be a deadly, deadly series, man. One thing I will say about the Bucks. Adding on to my point of they've taken a step back and have started to change their approach to the regular season. They had a chance to clinch the two seed and potentially avoid the Miami Heat. But they decided to play all their stars and win that game that they could have easily tanked to avoid the Miami Heat. But yeah, this this will be a tough, tough game. I've got the Bucks winning simply because Drew Holiday is a guy who, when added to this Milwaukee Bucks team, he's a playoff performer. I've seen what that guy can do in the playoffs. I remember when he was on the Pelicans with Boogie and AD, what they done to Damon CJ. I mean, he had Damian Lillard in jail. He had him in hell, Drew Holiday. They swept the Blazers as a six seed. And yeah, he's a playoff performer. He's someone that can take the pressure off Chris Middleton because Chris Middleton is a guy who's been criticised for his lack of repetition when it comes to the playoffs compared to his regular season play. And obviously, Yanis is a guy who's been criticised as they say that um, he can't figure out in the playoffs. He driving and stuff in the paint. Once they build that wall, he's not able to knock down shots. And once the defence figures it out, it's literally the end game for them. So, the acquisition of Drew Holiday, he's a guy who can... Um, bring the ball up the court you can make some shots he can definitely defend one of the elite guard defenders we have in the league so yeah this is why I say Milwaukee Bucks will win in seven I feel like the Heat will make it a battle obviously with your Jimmy Butler and your Bam Adebayo your Tyler Heroes and that that can come off the bench we know what he can do in the postseason Goran Dragic as well guys at Bielitsa can come and stretch the floor but that's going deep into the roster I don't know if um, guys like that will be getting PT in the playoffs. And you know, when you've got a championship caliber coach in Eric Spolstra, you know he's he will be making adjustments game to game as he tried to do so hard in the finals to try and um, bring the Miami Heat back to the promised land. So yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough series, but I've got the Milwaukee Bucks winning this in seven simply because the tandem of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton supplementing Giannis, I feel like we'll see them through and the acquisition of shooters such as Bobby Portis, Brim Forbes, 
Dante DiVincenzo can play nice defense and knock down a couple corner threes. So yeah, this is why I've got the Milwaukee Bucks winning in seven and advancing through to the second round. And now the 4-5 matchup in the Eastern Conference first round is the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. Listen, I just want to say congratulations to both of these franchises. I mean, I did not see this coming, especially, especially the New York Knicks. I, I had them finishing bottom in the Eastern Conference. I had them, I had them in the lottery. So you have to big up coach Thibodeau for what he's done with the New York Knicks shout out Julius Randle my MIP he deserves to make an all NBA team as well because what he's done at the Garden is amazing he's brought New York basketball back Derek Rose they acquired him from Detroit he's made sixth man of the year finalist shout out him as well just shout out the whole roster man Nellis Noel has been holding it down since Mitchell Robinson's been injured for most of the season like he's proved to be a great shot blocker Great rim protector. Reggie Bullock's been knocking down them threes. RJ Barrett's been doing RJ Barrett-like things. He's been making great progression from his soft in his sophomore year. Um, who else? Who, who else you got? Alec Burks has been giving them buckets off the bench. Shout out Alec Burks, man. Um, like, literally, I could go through the whole roster, man. The New York Knicks, like, what, what a time to be a Knicks fan, man. I mean, the fact that at the same time, I got a shout out to Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they made that mid season coaching change they fired Lloyd Pierce brought in Nate McMillan who was at Pacers last year obviously you had some unrest going on in the locker room you had apparently reports coming out that John Collins and Trey Young weren't seeing eye to eye with certain things with how the offense was being run John Collins then turning down that contract extension so there was a lot of things going on in Atlanta Chris Dunn was injured for a long time Gallinari was injured for a long time Tony Snell even Bogdanovich so there was a lot of things going on but Nate McMillan came in steady the ship they finished in the five seed and yeah the fact that one of these two teams is going to the second round yeah boy it's just it's just a remarkable achievement for both of these franchises man and the only way is up for them honestly with that being said I've got the New York Knicks winning this in seven this is going to be a tough 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 matchup man I mean I'm looking forward to it I need seven games of this actually I need to see it because it's good I think it's going to be a fun watch I mean you've got the New York Knicks you know Thibodeau's been playing them big minutes to guys like Randall and Rose I think Judas Randall averaged the most minutes in the league <laughs> typical Thibodeau man typical so yeah you know they've been elite on the defensive end as well they've got one of the best defenses in the NBA and you know that always translates well in the, into the postseason. So it's going to be a tough battle, man. Gritty team, hard-nosed team. You know they're going to put in 100% effort every single night. With that being said, the Atlanta Hawks as well. Trey Young making his first playoff appearance. We're going to see what's to come from him. John Collins as well. I just feel like in these games, tight matchups. It's about down the stretch. You're down three. You're down two. Three minutes left on the clock. Who can get a stop? I just backed the New York Knicks under Thibodeau to do that than the Hawks who have a lot of players who can be seen as defensive liabilities. Like obviously, Trey Young's defensive capabilities are not, are not the greatest. We all know this. Guys like Gallinari as well. I don't really... Defensively, he's very flat-footed. The Knicks can lock in defensively and give guys buckets on the other end. I just feel like the Knicks will be able to get, get stops when necessary. And they'll be able to, you know, use that home court advantage to their advantage and just get it done in seven. Obviously, this is no discredit to the Atlanta Hawks, who have guys that can go out, go out there and get you a bucket. Obviously, Trey Young, um, your Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they brought in from Sacramento, he, he, he can get you buckets. John Collins can be a 20 and 10 guy in the postseason. He can knock down a three in the mid-range. 
finish at the rim as well. Gallinari can shoot the three, especially if he gets hot from beyond the arc. So yeah, they've, they've got a lot of scorers in Atlanta. I just worry about them on the defensive end. And I just worry about Trey Young's play in the playoffs and how it will translate, especially considering the calls he does get in the regular season and the way he does get to the line so frequently. I just feel like the whistles will, might be a little bit more silent in the postseason which could lead to some frustration. And yeah, I just feel like he can be, not that he can contain him, but I feel like he can frustrate him. I feel like the way the Knicks set up defensively can frustrate a guy like Trey Young and can lead him to take a lot of bad shots, which could essentially hamper the team. So yeah, I've got the New York Knicks winning in seven. That grittiness will see them through. Imagine that New York Knicks in the second round will be crazy that is the eastern conference first round those are my predictions for the eastern conference in the first round just to round it up i've got the knicks winning in seven against the hawks i've got the bucks winning in seven against the heat i've got the nets beating the celtics in five and i've got the Sixers beating the wizards in four if those predictions do come true i mean it'll be very interesting man i feel like the the, the ones i'm looking forward to the most are the knicks against the hawks and the bucks against the heat that's the Eastern Conference playoffs right now. Just a reminder, if you're still listening on at this point, don't forget to follow on to at clutch underscore pod and on Instagram at clutch underscore pod. And if you are listening on iTunes, please, please consider leaving a rating. It, it does help the podcast a lot, especially with this long hiatus that I've been on. So now we're going to move on to the Western Conference first round matchups. I feel like the West is a lot more difficult. I mean... It's very, very hard to call, man. I mean, some of these matchups, I just don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know what's going to happen at all. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. I just hope to see some good basketball, some great play, and a prolonged series, man. I want to see when the game's on the line, when the stakes are at the highest, who's going to step up, who's going to get that stop, who's going to make that bucket, who's going to make that play. Because it's not even about scoring, it's about the little things. Who's going to set that screen? Who's going to make that backdoor cut? It's about all these little things. With that being said, I'm going to start off with the Mavs play the Clippers. The Clippers securing the four seed and the Mavs securing the five seed. The Clippers were criticised a lot for apparently ducking the Lakers in the last game of the season. In fact, not even just the last game of the season. The last two games of the season where they found a way to lose to the two worst teams in the league. They lost to OKC and the Houston Rockets. What I found funny in that last game against OKC, Zubac literally just tipped the ball up and then committed a foul and then was just um, taken out of the game. This was like literally six seconds into the game. It was so funny because it was so obvious at the same time. But yeah, um, they got this matchup that I think they do want the Clippers. You know what? If they make it to the NBA Finals, this is a chess move for them. Obviously, the Clippers, everyone likes to clown them. They have Paul George, Playoff P, Wayoff P, whatever you want to call him. Um, the antics that they done last season when they were calling out the Lakers. You've got the Kawhi New Balance commercial. You've got the fact that they haven't made a Western Conference Finals. So, I just feel like this season is different though, man. This season, obviously, they're not the favourites. I don't think this role of favourites really suited them last season because... You can't really give that title to a team who have who haven't proven it yet. The same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. Like I don't really like a team that hasn't even made it to the conference finals is a team that you want to make champions. Anyway, that's last season. This season they've been quietly just getting on with business, doing their business. Kawhi's been playing very very well. Paul George as well. They managed to acquire Rondo. Also, they've led the league in three-point percentage. They've got guys that have been having career years from beyond the arc. Luke Kennard shooting above 40%. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris. 
Um, obviously, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, we all know, are very competent, are more than competent from beyond the arc. So, three-point shooting, I feel like that will translate in the playoffs. We've got Rondo, who can get guys that open look and make that play. We've seen what he done in the bubble for the Lakers. I feel like that is a key, key acquisition for the Clippers. With that all being said, I've got the Clippers winning in six against the Mavs. Just like last year, I just feel like the two-man tandem of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will be too much for the Mavericks. Um, obviously, Luca. I've seen, we saw what he done in his first pause season last year. Epic game winner against the Clippers in Game Three, I believe. So yeah, I just feel like he still doesn't have the competent pieces around him to really make a deeper playoff run into like the second round or even the conference finals. I mean, Porzingis. Everyone's been expressing their concerns at his fragility at this point. I'm also one of those people expressing those concerns. I know last year he did get ejected and did have an injury, hampered the Mavericks. A lot of people were saying if Porzingis were healthy, that they would have beaten the Clippers. I do not believe that. But yeah, it just I just feel like they're missing that other perimeter player, possibly a two-way player that can also go and get their own. I know they acquired Josh Richardson from the Sixers this season, to be that um, two-way player for them but that hasn't really worked out for them and I think he's been coming off the bench I believe as well so yeah they're just missing that other piece guys like Maxi Kleber Dorian Finney-Smith they're nice pieces they can shoot Dorian Finney-Smith has proven to be a versatile defender but I just don't think they're starting caliber pieces on a championship level team or a team that's bound to make the conference finals or something like that that's what I feel um, Jalen Brunson's been nice he's he's a contender for sixth man of the year as well but yeah i just feel like the clippers will have too much for the lakers Kawhi and pg are going to turn it on um sergey back has come back from injury which is good because he was out for a very 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 long time so it's good to see him back big zoo you got a zoo batch there marcus morris as i said he's been knocking down threes Reggie Jackson, um, Rondo, Pat Bev. I don't know what his situation is. He's been out for a long time through injury. So we'll see if he can get back healthy for this matchup. So yeah, I've got the Clippers winning in six. I think Luca and them will take two games from them just like they done last year. But ultimately, I think the Clippers will close them out without too much trouble. Uh, moving on, the Lakers play the Phoenix Suns, another team who have to big up the Suns managed to get this two seed in the Western Conference to build on that 8-0 run in the bubble. And listen, one thing that makes me happy about this Phoenix Suns team is this Phoenix Suns team is Monty Williams after they um went 8-0 in the bubble. I remember there was a there was a video circulating of him speaking to the players inside the um, locker room. Obviously, at the time that they won that game, it hadn't been confirmed whether or not they have made the playoffs in the bubble he was just like to them listen obviously we don't know the outcome of this but this is not where it starts this is just the beginning we still have to build on this um going into next season and things like that this is the level that we have to be at and essentially they've carried that on through the season obviously they acquired chris paul who has been who, who has had an mvp level impact on this phoenix suns team dario Saric has been balling out deandre ayton has held it down at the five cam johnson's come off the bench and knocked down a couple shots frank kaminsky cameron payne has played very very well for them off the bench surprisingly he's he wasn't really a household name or he was just someone that i knew off but 
seeing ball out of the bench for the Suns has been a joy to watch. Javon Carr is a gritty guard who can also like play defense and things like that. So the Suns, they've got they've got a lot of guys who who have just quietly gone on and just balled out this season, man. Shout out Book as well making the All Star game. So yeah, the Phoenix Suns, what a run for them it has been this year. The dread thing about that is that they have to go up against the reigning champions, the Los Angeles Lakers, who after beating the Warriors in a play-in are now the seventh seed. So it's just <laughs> it's just not a nightmare, but it's just not the ideal situation for Phoenix, who I wish could have made a deep playoff run. But yeah, I've just got the Lakers beating them in five. It's a great run for Phoenix making the playoffs since 2010 for the first time. Um, it's just tough to that they have to match up with get, um, AD and LeBron James. Um, the Lakers, I wasn't impressed with them in the first half against the Warriors in the playing. They looks like they look very lethargic. Um, AD and LeBron James, they weren't knocking down shots. LeBron James looked like he was playing more off ball. He was letting Dennis Schroeder kind of initiate the offense, which I didn't really understand, especially considering Dennis Schroeder was. Um, coming back from health and safety protocols after contracting COVID. AD just, he was just settling way too much for those jump shots. He wasn't really trying to back down Jamon Green and things like that. But that's neither here nor there because they did turn it around in the second half and get the win. Shout out LeBron James for that game-clinching three-pointer at the end of the shot clock. No matter how many rims he saw, it was a good shot. But yeah, um, I think the Lakers, that was their wake-up call, that first half against the Warriors. I think they're going to step it up from here. We saw the championship-level defense they played after LeBron hit that three against the Warriors. So when they turn it on, they really do turn it on. Obviously, AD and Bron, they're not 100% healthy, but they are healthy, which is the key thing for them. And I feel like, as I just said, that was the scare. They're going to turn it up now and comfortably dispatch the Suns in five. I do have Phoenix taking a game. I feel like Chris Paul and Devin Booker are that good that they they won't be getting swept. That will be that will that will not be ideal for them at all, especially with the season they had. Obviously, this is going to be Devin Booker's first playoffs. I'm very excited to see what he does. I am not concerned at all about how he will perform. I feel like he's going to get those buckets. I mean, even in that eight and all run, we saw that game winner he hit over PG and Kawhi against the Clippers. I feel like he's made for this man. Book books made for this, so. I have no questions about him struggling in the playoffs. Obviously, when you're going up against the Lakers, it's just a different kettle of fish. So he probably has to understand that. With that being said, the Suns do have a plethora of young players who this will be their first playoff experience. DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, um, Javon Carter, Cameron Payne as well, Mikel Bridges. All these guys, they haven't played in the postseason yet. So there's that thing of you don't really know what you're going to see from them. But with Chris Paul leading the way, um, I believe they'll be able to clinch a game against the Lakers. But ultimately, they will bow out in five. One thing I will say, though, the Lakers really need to sort out their big rotation. I mean, Andre Drummond, I don't know if he is the guy for them. Because Drummond, AD, Bron, all on the court, it just looks too clunky for me, man. I, I, just, I just don't know, man. I don't know how that's going to work, especially when you add Montrezl Harrell to the mix as well. Mark Gasol, who it seems has been frozen out, he's going to need to be in the rotation at some point because what he does, he plays a key part. I mean, his IQ alone, his ability to knock down shots from beyond the arc and his ability to play make at his size and his vision and his passing ability as a seven-footer is something that the Lakers will value on the court, especially in a postseason and that championship DNA that he has as well. That's something for Frank Vogel and the coaching staff over there to sort out. Um, 
and I'm not who am I to be giving Frank Vogel orders or advice. I'm just saying from what I see that I feel like that's something that needs to be sorted out if they want to go back to back or at least make it to the NBA finals. Moving on, another very, very interesting matchup. The Nuggets, the three-seed Denver Nuggets take on the six-seed Portland Trailblazers. This is a repeat of the second round um, seven-game series in 2019. Listen, that was one of the great playoff series, man. It went seven games. It had a 3 OT game, a game that went to triple overtime. You had Jokic played for like 60 minutes, <laughs> which is a playoff record. They just had a crazy series that year. I mean, I remember the Blazers obviously did win it in seven and advanced to the conference finals. But that game seven, CJ McCollum put the Blazers on his back. He had his big backpack on with that being said though um this 2021 playoff matchup is going to be very very interesting the nuggets have mvp alex nikola Jokic, who i do believe will be crowned mvp my preseason prediction for mvp by the way just saying i, I said he will be mvp two days before this season started obviously it hasn't been set in stone yet we're still waiting but i do believe he will be the mvp one thing i do want to say though big up the denver nuggets i mean jamal murray went down against the warriors with that ACL tear, such a dreadful, dreadful injury. I was upset when that happened. Hopefully he does come back better and stronger because I was really, really anticipating and looking forward to see what he was going to do this playoffs. I mean, last season is when he really burst onto the scene in the postseason with that performance. Him and Donovan Mitchell going head-to-head in the bubble. It was just an amazing thing to see. So I was really looking forward to him replicating that in some sort this year but obviously that's something that won't be happening with that being said though Jokic did put these nuggets on his back when Murray went down he managed to cement the three seed and that's another reason why I think he'll be MVP because his second best player went down and he still managed to I would have thought Denver would have slid down the um, Western Conference standards to potentially even a playing spot but they did not do that at all they carried on playing well. Shout out Michael Porter Jr. as well. Most improved player finalist. With that all being said, I've got the Blazers edging it in seven. Um, I just think that the tandem of Dame and CJ um, will just be too much firepower for the Nuggets to deal with. Especially without Jamal Murray to essentially fire back for them. Also, I just feel like down the stretch, the Blazers have guys who can go out there and get you a bucket more guys that can go out there and get you a bucket than the nuggets you got guys that obviously you've got damon cj norm powell can go out there and get his as well shout out him he's been balling for them since his trade from the raptors so yeah like down the stretch you've got those three options obviously it's been widely reported that terry stotts's job is on the line a lot of different reports coming out that saying that unless they make a very very deep playoff run he will not return as the Blazers coach. They've had some struggles defensively. Defensively, they've been very, very bad. That's something that they haven't really been able to tackle. On the Denver Nuggets side, Jokic, we all know that he is a playoff performer. When the playoffs come on, he turns on, he performs in the playoffs. We've seen him and the Nuggets roll their way past 3-1 deficits to win twice last postseason in seven against the Clippers and against the Utah Jazz. So you can't really count them out. But ultimately, I just feel like the Blazers, when you look at like the top three players in a series, which is what a lot of people like to do when analysing two tightly contested teams in a playoff environment, you have to look at who the top three players in the series will be. I think Jokic will be up there, Damian Lillard will be up there, and CJ McCollum will be up there. In, that, in which order, I don't know, but the fact that the 
Blazers will have two of the best three players on the court at all times makes me give them the edge to win this series in seven games. One person I do want to shout out though is Michael Porter Jr. He's made a big jump. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs this playoffs. Obviously, last playoffs he was he wasn't a starter. That role was given to Jeremy Grant, who has since moved to Detroit. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with these playoff minutes. One thing I will say about MPJ, which I like him a lot for, when he wants to shoot it, he's going to shoot. He does not care who it is, where it is, what time of the game it is. If he's going to shoot it, he's going to shoot it. And I think that mentality, whilst I do admire it a lot, I feel like he can either shoot you in a game or shoot you out of a game if that makes much sense. So it's going to be interesting to see how that does happen. But yeah, um, one thing I will say as well, Will Barton is back for the Nuggets. Obviously, he didn't play in the bubble last season when they made that run to the conference finals. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do for them. Someone who can play, make a little bit. He's got some size. He can shoot a bit. So yeah, he's going to be an addition for them that they didn't have last year. Um, obviously, guys at Campazzo as well, tough-nosed, gritty he can make some plays as well so yeah it's going to be interesting they brought in austin rivers as well i don't know how much pt he's going to get given that playoff rotations do shrink monte morris they brought in jamichael green who can knock down a couple shots he's another big body so yeah this game is going to be very very interesting the matchup's going to be interesting i just can't wait man i can't wait for this series i've got the blazers edging in seven shout out dame and them boys let's see if they can make it to the second round and the final matchup for the western conference in the first round is gonna be the utah jazz taking on the memphis grizzlies one thing i gotta say i have to big up the memphis grizzlies for beating the warriors in that playing game jamarant putting the team on his back with 35.6 rebounds six assists Knocking out five threes as well. They have to respect the shot now because that was one thing that was hindering his game. His lack of um, threat from beyond the arc. But he managed to prove that on the biggest stage when the lights were brightest. So you have to respect him for that. But yeah, the Grizzlies beat the Warriors to take on the Jazz in the first round. I've got the Jazz winning this one. I was thinking of putting them to sweep. But I don't want to count out the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Because the season they have had... I mean, it's just been amazing. No one, I wouldn't have expected them to make it this far and make the playoffs. I mean, it's a team, you could say, without really a superstar. It's just just a solid team. No real bona fide star. I know Jar's on the come up, but I wouldn't put him in that star category just yet. They've got guys that have contributed. Valentunas is underrated. He's put up numbers. Double-double machine. I still can't believe he's, he has the franchise record for consecutive double-doubles for the Grizzlies. That's a franchise that I've had um, notable bigs and guys like Zach Randolph, Zebo, and the Gasol brothers as well. So for Valentinus to break that record, they need to put respect on his name. And I'm glad that he's finally getting that recognition he deserves. So yeah, with that being said, got the Jazz winning this one in five. I feel like the momentum of that win against the Warriors for the Grizzlies will probably carry them through to game one. And maybe that's the game that I've got them taking as they'll still be on the high of beating Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors when not a lot of people gave them that chance. With that being said, I feel like the Jazz will dispatch them quite easily. Um, there's been a lot of disrespect on the Utah Jazz's name. They man they've been the best team in basketball for basically the whole season. No real contest. They've just been bowling all season. Even when a couple guys went down. Donovan Mitchell's been out for the last couple of weeks. But he will be back for game one, I'm sure. He just needs to get up to speed, get up back to basketball conditioning having missed out so many games a lot of people been disrespecting the jazz the style of basketball they that they do play but they do have strength in numbers they've got guys that can shoot 
We've got guys like Royce O'Neill, who's a versatile defender. Obviously got Rudy Gobert anchoring the paint. Boyan Bogdanovich has been holding it down while Donovan Mitchell is out. He's the guy that people forget. He wasn't in the bubble last year when the Jazz blew that 3-1 lead. And who's to say what would happen if he was there? But he's a very capable scorer. He can get hot from beyond the arc. He held it down when Donovan Mitchell wasn't around. He had a 46-point game. And yeah, he's lethal from beyond the arc. Obviously, you got guys like Jordan Clarkson, who was my pick to win sixth man of the year and is a finalist. He can get hot off the bench. Mike Conley was a first-time All-Star this year, finally. So yeah, the Utah Jazz, they're just a solid team. And shout out Quinn Snyder and them boys. Yeah, and you know Donovan Mitchell's a playoff performer. You know, in the playoffs, that's when he steps up. I still remember his rookie year. He took out Russ and them boys in the first round. So yeah, you really have to respect what the Utah Jazz are doing. I feel like they're destined to make a deep, deep playoff run. But as for round one right now, I feel like they'll comfortably, comfortably get past this young Grizzlies team who have shown a lot of grit and determination. But it's just going to be interesting to see the battle between Rudy Gobert and Ja Morant in the paint. You know, Rudy Gobert is one of, is in fact the most elite rim protector, paint protector that we have in the league. I know Ja Morant, that boy's got no fear. He will try to throw it down on anybody. He does not care. It's going to be a tough battle in the paint. Obviously, um, the favourite will be Gobert to get the better of him and obviously the rest of the Grizzlies in that paint, which is why I feel like this is going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Grizzlies. They're not the greatest three-point shooting team, but they have guys that can knock it down. Jaron Jackson Jr., he was out for most of the season with that meniscus tear, but he is back. He's just feeling his way around the team and just trying to get back to shape. Grayson Allen can knock down threes. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson, I've got to big him up as well, especially in those playing games. A real versatile defender, a real veteran in that Memphis Grizzlies team. He can knock down a couple shots. Desmond Bain, the rookie, he's a lethal three-point shooter. They're going to have to, you know, get hot from beyond the arc because I feel like them trying to penetrate and get inside the paint will not really work or will just work to the Utah Jazz's game plan, which is to get players inside the paint where Rudy Gobert can clean up and essentially get those stops that they need. I've got the Jazz winning in five and this wraps up the playoff predictions for the first round. Just to wrap up in the Western Conference, I've got the Jazz winning in five. I've got the Blazers winning in seven. I've got the Lakers winning in five. And I've got the Clippers winning in six. So that's for the first round. So that wraps up my predictions for the first round in the playoffs this season. I will be doing this all throughout the playoffs, giving my predictions and trying to anticipate what's going to go down based on matchups and based on how teams got on in the previous rounds. So yeah, um, that's episode 43 of Clutch Pod wrapped up. Don't forget to follow me on socials at Twitter and Instagram at Clutch underscore pod. And if you're still listening on at this point, much appreciation and I'll be back for episode 44. Oh,